podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And if you're listening to us on a Tuesday morning, you missed out once again on our Twitch live on Monday night. But if you're here with us tonight, I see we've got two viewers already. Welcome to our Monday night Euroview. As always, we are the Anglo-Italian Pod. I'm Tommy and you can find us on Instagram at Anglo-Italian Pod. And I'm here, Uh, as always, with... I'm getting excited, as always... As always, I am Rory, and you can follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod. It's Monday night again. It's been a great weekend of Prem action. Actually, European action. It's all been fantastic. I watched so much football. I was honestly quietly glad that it was raining the whole weekend in Milan because it meant I had the excuse to just stay in and watch all the games. And I didn't regret watching one of them, I don't think. All of them I really enjoyed. So, yeah, I'm pumped. How was Serie A? How was your weekend? Man, Serie A was quite exciting too. A lot of goals, a lot of talking points. And then we've got a talking points all around Europe as well. We've got quite El Clasico in Spain with two very different halves, not only weather-wise. And uh, then Atletico Madrid. Man, Rory, we should have never, uh. ever started supporting Atletico Madrid at the beginning of the season. Yeah, we've like we've just absolutely ruined it um we might have but like i was just saying off mic um it is quite good for my pre-season league win uh, prediction accumulator as i did back real madrid to get the la liga so despite saying i was i i I like atletico i was willing to back real so yeah i i hate me too don't worry it was one of those situations where you had the you had the backup plan ready to go, ready to fire. You've always got to have the backup, always. And then France Bundesliga and also Europa League and Champions League preview. These are all things that we are going to touch on during our live that is going to be with you approximately until 10 p.m. Central European time. Rory, where do you want to start from? Shall we start with which league was fresh in my mind? Should we start with France? I feel like it was quite a exciting weekend in France, actually. Let's go. You got the little music. Let's go. Ready? I do have... I need to look at the map. Which one's France? That one. Accordions playing in the background. We're sitting at a cafe in Paris reading... What's the number one sports newspaper in France? Uh, Le newspaper, I believe. L'Equipe. L'Equipe. Oh, L'Equipe. That's the one. Reading L'Equipe, and we've got our correspondent, Rory Criscuolo. What what, what about the action in Ligue 1 this weekend? Wow. This weekend, we had quite a bit of action. It all started on Friday with Lille, and they're still going for their title push. They're still fighting, and they managed to beat Mets to nil it was a nice efficient game with that man Yilmaz scoring again he's having a bit of an Indian summer I think that guy this career he is this season he's really amongst the goals he got the first goal and then it was a Turkish link up as Celik got another meaning that they won two nil and they briefly extended their lead to six points above PSG do we think Leo can keep this going they seem fairly dogged at this point um and seem fairly determined right 
I kind of want them to keep pushing, and I think they can because I was. They've already played the game against PSG, and that was a huge win indeed, one nil, if I'm not mistaken. And I'll just give a quick look to the calendar, but I don't think that they've got that big of fixtures between now and the end of the season. So I think that if they keep their head cool, they might as well go for the title. I think. Well, it's been 10 years since they won it last time, so it would be great to see the title return there. The last time they won it was, of course, under Rudy Garcia as well, which is crazy to think, right? Like, his career has kind of gone up and down and all over the place since then, but... Yeah, I was looking at the calendar now, and the only big game that we could say they have is against Lyon, and then they also have Mm. Saint-Étienne at home. But Lyon away could be a tricky one. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll be coming on to Lyon, but they are definitely a fading force in this title race. They are not keeping up, unfortunately. But the six-point lead for Lille was only temporarily there, of course, as PSG absolutely smashed Strasbourg 4-1. Mbappe, of course, getting a goal and and an assist. This now means 21 goals and 7 assists in 27 league-earned games. Tommy, I'm going to ask you, right, he's 21 years old, right? He has played 144 games in league-earned so far. Mm -hmm. How many goals do you think he has scored? Repeat, how many games in league-earned? 144. This is in league-earned. He's probably got to have, like, 80. 107 goals in 144 league-earned games. He is the youngest player to reach 100 league-earned goals, unsurprisingly, um, and has already kind of surpassed and taken over some big names in French football, Henri, you know, Trezeguet, etc. He has a lot more goals in league-earned than them, and he is just relentless. But PSG, he got the first... He got the first the first goal and set up the second. And our oh boy, mate, Moisey Keane is having his best is having his best goal scoring season so far of his career, as he got his twelfth goal in twenty two games. And then finally, you need to look up the Paredes free kick to put the icing on the cake. It was an absolute rocket into the top corner. Again, PSG. If Lille are looking determined, PSG have got that like cold. Shark stare. And just a quick thing. Yes, everybody in Italy is keeping an eye on League On to see what Kane is doing because as we stand, Ciro Immobile, who should be our number nine at the Euros, hasn't scored in Serie A for 749 minutes. We'll cover that when we'll talk about Serie A, but definitely Mancini is looking for the Azzurri striker. And it's starting to feel like Moise could be the one we should. Well, him and Mancini have a bit of history in a positive way, I believe, right? Mancini came. Do they not? I feel like I feel like, like he came. likes him. I feel like I know that Mancini likes him. I don't know why I think that. I feel but. like Mancini kind of. We've we've already covered it in one of our episodes, but Mancini was a bit of a rebel when he was uh, young. When he was an, he he was one of the youngest debutants in Serie A, and he was a bit of a hothead. And uh, not like Keane is like that, but he's definitely like, he's got the braids, he's got the dances, yeah, he's got the, yeah, he yeah. basically could look like a dick. But Mancini, <laughs> I think Mancini like, likes these type of players. Let's not forget that Mancini was the one to make Balotelli debut. 
And yeah, Steve, we'll talk about Lazio not again. <laughs> we'll come on to it. We're still technically in France, even though we have become distracted. Sorry. But <laughs> be, Let's go back to France. Beyond PSG, the other kind of runners in the title race at the moment are Monaco, who beat top, bottom of the league, Dijon, 3-0. Jovetic getting a goal. I keep forgetting that guy's still playing. And Ben Yedda getting two, one of them a penalty, which keeps them firmly in the title race. And then Leon, who hadn't won in three games before this, their form really suffering. They managed to beat Leon. They managed to beat Angers three nil. Depay getting two goals. Now, Tommy, I know you want to talk about one of them. Man, that through ball by Paqueta, beautiful pass. But then, how cool must you be to see the goalie come out and just like chip it perfectly over him? And that was a beautiful. Yeah, it was really like that and that was a beautiful beautiful goal another i also need to say is this the pakata that milan thought they were getting (laughs) um man i don't know i was just right before we went live i was talking to leroy one of my dearest ac milan friends um he was accusing inter milan of being of ruining players allegedly and i was like hey remember pakata and (laughs) andre silva because both of them are having quite the season in Liga and bundesliga so yeah yeah Yeah, piontek is another story but these two are doing quite well that's a very fair point so all these games leave us with leal Still at the top of the pile with 69 points. We're PSG three points behind is 66. Monaco in third with 65. And Leon in fourth with 64. So even they are only five points off Lille at the top. Tommy, I believe our predictions are terrible. A few weeks ago, we said PSG are going to walk away with it. And now we've got one of the tightest um, title races in Europe, right? Guys, this is our first season, right? It's our first year. Yeah. We've got Guys. a got to cut let's some not, slack with this let, it's quite let, difficult let's for, yeah let's not forget that this is our first season we i mean i think that when i said that inter milan would win the champions league in one of our first episodes i wasn't fully believing that we would go all the way to finishing a season with a podcast and people might remember it but it turns <laughs> out that things are still running and the next year we will be more careful with our predictions I guess. Well, there's a few more games I quickly want to go through before we move on to our next country. And that is Lons. These are, I think they might be my favorite team in France now. I'm claiming it. Lons, big love for them. They are currently having their best points total in league earned since the 0102 season and the best from a newly promoted team since Monaco in 13-14 when they finished second with Ranieri after promotion. So Lons are absolutely killing it. They currently find themselves in fifth place with 52 points, right? So they're a fair bit off the Champions League places, but they should comfortably find themselves in Europa League. What an achievement coming straight from Ligue 2 and straight into the Europa League. And one of their players is really catching the eye. His name is Arno Calimwendo. They signed him from PSG for 10 million. He came from his, he came from the PSG youth system. Uh, they signed him in the summer. He is now the teenager with the most goals in Europe's top five leagues with seven. He is 19. Right. And he scored again this weekend. Just out of nowhere. I just remembered that. Some time ago, you told me that you were into a scouting course online. Have you ever followed up on that? Yeah, I finished it. I need to... Well, the thing is, the introduction was like... Honestly, I, 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 can we get into this? I spent a bit of money on it, not that much. The introduction was very much an introduction, right? It was like, 
do you know what a scout is? And I was like, oh, Christ, I've paid blank amount of money for this. Um, it was okay. I feel like I learned a few things, but the next one is where you have to pay the most money. But the saving is all getting pushed away. Give it a couple of months. I'll be a qualified scout, fingers crossed. Nice, very Which nice. Would be I, nice. I just felt like we needed to mention that you told me some time ago, and right now you were talking about a youngster that came kind of out of nowhere, and I was like, you could be the next one discovering youngsters. Elite. Mate, that would literally oh. be my dream job. I feel like we're getting distracted. Anyway, Lons no, are absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Lons are absolutely killing it. I'm definitely ordering a shirt, and I just wanted to give that a shout. But the game of the weekend, weirdly, was actually. Um, Marseille against Montpellier was a 3-3 thriller with Montpellier scoring in both the first 30 seconds and the last 30 seconds of the game. Marseille, of course, being Marseille, had a man sent off. Um, but ultimately, they drew 3 all, and that game was absolutely wild. Milik scoring a beautiful goal, Bear and he's having, he's having a great time in France. That was Arcadius Burkamp right there. It was mm. an Arcadius Milik. It was much of a Burkamp type of control and then type of shot as well. It was beautiful. That is exactly it. He is loving it down on the... We decided Marseille was the south coast of France, right? Um, he's loving it down there. And I'm loving I think that's France. Though. I think that's France. Let's move on. Shall we go to Spain? I want to talk about Classico. Let's go to Spain. You got the music? Yep, it's coming. Talking about Spain, Rory, we discussed also with our listeners the fact whether I should go to Spain or not. And in this case, risk not seeing Inter lift the Scudetto in Italy. Well, turns out I'm not going to Spain this week anymore because the weather is terrible and there is no way I'm going to drive 24,000 kilometers to go chill by the beach and, you know, just relax with a margarita and it's going to be raining. As it slowly overflows. No, no, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I absolutely don't want that. So that is postponed. But talking about football, I mean... El Clasico did not disappoint. The biggest thing about El Clasico, I think, is the weather difference between the first half and the second half. First half all that second half. Christ. First half, just a normal game of football. Second half, you couldn't really see what was going on in the pitch. I thought it was just me. I thought, man, I need to get my contact lenses changed. I can't focus on what's going on. And I just couldn't see... The play, it was really, really heavy rain. I saw a great tweet that was like, turns out Messi can't hack it on a cold, wet night in Stoke because he had to change his T-shirt halfway through. Three times, right, if I'm not mistaken. But man, what an absolute game. This is an El Clasico that did not disappoint. And did you know that this is the first time in 43 years that Barcelona lose three straight consecutive games to Real Madrid? Wow, Ronald Koeman struggling, and straight away the complaints came out. Did you see the the quote from Modric? He walked past, I think it was PK, and as they shook hands, someone lip-read him, apparently, and he said, so now come the complaints, right? <laughs> he said oh. it to PK, and literally Koeman complained within seconds. I don't know about you, but I don't think he had much to complain about. 
What did he complain about? The not given. Uh, the two penalties that weren't given. I think both of them were soft. I think one was actually outside the box. It was not a penalty. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other one was a slight push, but there wasn't even contact between the feet of the two players. So exactly. I think they were just sour grapes, as we would say. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing I got to say about this game is that Rory is right. And Rory loves to hear that. As I posted on Instagram, one of Rory's quotes from our last episode Vinicius Jr. is a beast. Everything he does whenever he gets the ball is run towards goal. You were absolutely right. He's, a, he's an absolute problem. He's going to be such a bargain for them. In a few years, you're going to look back like, how did they get him? What a player. He's so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Very exciting. He's got the dribbling ability, and he's got that, that scent for goal. Big, big time. But now, the first goal comes from Karim the Dream. This guy is getting too much, has been getting stick his entire career, but he is a beast. Did you see celebration after the goal? He was like, I don't even know what I need to do anymore to impress people. What do I need to do? Is this filthy back heel enough to make people realize that I'm a beast? Is it enough, Rory? Oh, un- undoubtedly. Honestly, I think there's as much as my problems with Benzema have been well publicized on this podcast. There is a part of me that respects the fact that he seemingly doesn't give a single shit about what people think about him. There's a part of me that respects that. And that finish was dirty. That was absolutely filthy finish. And what a way to open the scoring in an El Clasico. Like, I had to watch it a few times. The first time I was like, wait, what's he done? Oh my God. Like, what a little back heel clip. And I feel like Ter Stegen didn't have the best day. Now, it would be harsh to judge him to, for conceding that goal, but he was a little bit shaky, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And then in the first half, also a post by Valverde. That game was incredible. Mm. And Real Madrid and the first half up 2-0, thanks to a free kick by Toni Kroos, which unluckily went off Serginho Dest's back. It took yeah, two like, deflections, I think. It was... Yeah, it was very, very unfortunate. Jordi Alba couldn't do much to keep that out of the goal. But then... Second half, here comes the rain, here come Barcelona. The second half was a completely different game than the mm-hmm. first 45 minutes of football. And, uh, man, that almost goal by Messi from the corner kick. Well, he that? has now not scored in an El Clasico match since Ronaldo left. That is a record that is going to be hanging on his shoulders and he'll be desperate for it to end he did come close multiple times and you do kind of think he can't do it all on his own it was another frustrating night from Dembele he ended up getting pulled um they did bring Griezmann on I feel like Dembele just promises so much but delivers so little really really frustrating night for him but Barcelona absolutely dominated the second half and they should have won it at the death if that ball drops not to Ter Stegen I think they get the I get the they get an equalizer there. Well, let me tell you that if Ter Stegen had scored that goal, that would have been the greatest uh, classical ever with like a goalie scoring <laughs> off a volley in the final minutes of the game. That would have been insane. 
But a player that I was very, very impressed about was Mingueza, the guy from mm. the Barcelona's Cantera. He's actually debuted for Barcelona just a few weeks back for the first team, together with his sister, which is a beautiful little sibling story. Nice. They both, I like that. Yeah, they both came through the Barcelona youth system ranks. They both debuted in the first team just a few weeks back. He had his first goal ever in his first El Clasico ever. And he almost had a second mm. at the very, very death of the game. But, yeah, this leaves Real Madrid only one point behind. I would have to double track. Yeah, only one point behind Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid are sitting at 67, Real Madrid 66, Barcelona 65. I mean, realistically, all these three teams are in contention for the title. But Atletico Madrid have won only two of their last... I, we were talking about it off mic before the start of the episode. Atletico Madrid have won only two, I believe, of their last... Only three of their last nine La Liga games which is not really the type of, uh, I mean, it's not the type of allure you want to have if you're trying to win the league. And Real Madrid and Barcelona are starting to look at them top of the league like Jack Nicholson in Shining. You know, when he's fucking <laughs> door open and he's like, he's got the crazy-ass face looking around. So, yeah, uh, Atletico Madrid weren't able to go past a draw against Real Betis, only 1-1 beautiful goal by Tejo from Real Betis. And keep your eyes on La Liga also for the relegation zone because things are looking very, very open. From the 15th position where Getafe sit at 30 points to the 20th position where Eibar sit at 23, all these teams could potentially drop to... What is the second, what is the second division in Spain? Zagunda, Zagunda, yeah. Well, it is mental seeing Getafe down there after they had such a great season last year, got themselves into the Europa League, and now it's all kind of fallen apart. We're going to have to talk more about what's going on there in another episode, I think, because that is fascinating how that's happening. Valencia, oh, they're like just above it, but they'll be sweating, they'll be sweating. Valencia drew over the weekend with Real Sociedad. 2-2 goals by Was, Paulista, Guevara, and Isaac. And now I wanted to say that I didn't know that there was a football player called Guevara. Like good old Che Guevara. That's oh, dope. Man, I need right? that shirt. I need that shirt. <laughs> Guevara on the back of a shirt. You yes, please. communist. All right. <laughs> we will get you that shirt too. And don't forget that this Saturday, but we'll cover it on Friday's episode as well, Barcelona are playing Athletic Club for the 2021 Copa del Rey. It's come around right. so quickly. A year like that. Yeah, a year just like that. Should we go to Germany? Let's go Germany. Where is oh, wow. it? <laughs> 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 Good. Yeah, Here we are. We're in Germany. Bayern We're in Germany. Now, the first headline is, Tommy. What is it? Sound, sound the alarms. Schalke won a game of football. They won a game. And they, they kept the clean sheet. And they kept the clean sheet in the same game. They won 1-0 at home against Augsburg, who are one of the kind of fellow 
relegation battlers. Um, but they've done it. They've done it. And Mustafi played. Mustafi came off the bench, so not all hope is lost in Gelsenkirchen yet. But it does kind of... Obviously, it still makes grim reading for Schalke fans, but technically they can still survive. They're currently 13 points off survival. They're on 13 with Armenia, uh, by the felt, on 26. So it was a nice win. The Schalke goalkeeper, um, so the manager kind of shook things up and made three changes, bringing in a new goalkeeper. Did did you say that Schalke could possibly still make it? I don't think. Mathematically, mathematically. Only mathematically. (laughs) <laughs> the 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 quiet you know the the clever better is putting one pound on it just in case because those odds are ridiculous <laughs> just in case they get an escape that would be a huge win but you know yes um the manager kind of shook things up made three changes including the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper impressed but the guy who stole the headlines was i believe his name was Sardar yep Sardar scored in the fourth minute on his 24th birthday. Now, the goal, the goalkeeper for Augsburg did basically throw it at him and gave him a tap-in. But hey, they all count. And that is three points for Schalke, their first win in 14. And coincidentally, that was also their last clean sheet as well. So, yeah, there's still there's still life in the old dog yet, and we do hope that Schalke can keep up. But Elsewhere in the relegation battle, the big result really was Armenia Bielefeld, who who beat Freiburg 1-0 away. People really didn't expect that result, and that has put them, that's brought them into the play-out position on 26 points, level on points with Hertha, who are also on 26. They drew 2 all with Borussia Mönchengladbach, despite Mönchengladbach being down to 10 men. Um, Hertha did their best to lose it, so the goalkeeper for um, for Borussia was sent off early doors. Her to then go 1-0 up, and you think, okay, right, they'll just see this one out. No, Borussia then go 2-1 up before the half, and all of a sudden, Herta are looking a bit panicky. In the second half, Herta make three changes at halftime. Like, the manager was definitely sweating a little bit, and they managed to get their equaliser. Gwenduzi should have scored a winner, but the keeper made, the substitute keeper for Borussia made a beautiful save. So Hertha will feel like they've definitely dropped points with it being against 10 men, and that still leaves them level and bang in trouble. But the other relegation battle fight game was, we previewed this game between Mainz and Köln, and I didn't see this many goals coming. It was 3-2 to Mainz. They scored in the 92nd minute, even though Köln had gone 1-0 up, pulled back, 2-1 up, pulled back, and then Mainz finally got the winner. It was a beautiful goal from Barrero, and that gives Mainz a bit of a shout of surviving. They are now two points clear of the relegation playout zone on 28 points, but Werder Bremen on 30 could be dragged into it. They've now lost four in a row, and things are looking pretty grim there. This weekend, they lost quite heavily, they lost two. I'm just finding it here. They lost to Leipzig, top of the table, 4-1. At home, Sorloth scoring two. That man, Danny Olmo, of course he scored. 
and Man, then Danny Olmo is really stepping it up this year. I feel like we've been hearing this name for the past four or five years. We were always unimpressed whenever we heard it. There was no consistency, but this year he's really showing up. During the international break, he bagged a few for Spain as well. Well, this is it. This is his fifth or sixth goal of the season now, I think. He's really, like, the system they play is so fluid that people end up everywhere, but the role they've got him on the playing on the wing, he's causing serious damage. The way he can cut in and get a shot off is always impressive. We remember the beautiful goal he scored for Spain against, was it the Georgia game? They nearly lost, right? He scored the winner, I think. Absolutely beautiful goal. So, yeah, he's got a right peg on him. Um, but they won 4-1 and friend of the show, Marcel Sabitzer, of course, got in on the score in action. His seventh goal of the season. Arsenal, please buy this man. Just go out and buy him. I don't care. Just, I absolutely love watching him play. He's so good at what he does. I would love to have him at Arsenal. He is absolutely killing it. But I love that the was as well. Yeah, yeah, powerful haircut. Yeah, yeah, powerful haircut. Little ponytail. So that put Leipzig. Only five points behind Bayern Munich, as Bayern Munich dropped points, drawing one all with Union Berlin. Muziala, the snake who chose Germany over England, getting the goal. Um, but the the now, I think, are they the biggest team in Berlin now? Are we saying Union Berlin are the biggest team in Berlin? Well, they they might as well be back to being the first team in Berlin. I feel like uh, I watched a documentary uh, two year last year by Copa Ninety. It's a very good uh, magazine, and you can watch. Did you watch that one too? Yeah, that dog one is really good about the Berlin derby. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it's very very good, and uh, it feels like there is a lot of popular support behind the Union Berlin. So it's definitely nice to see them up there in seventh position with forty points. I feel like it must be quite galling for her to fans for them to be like perpetually struggling in Bundesliga and then this other team just come up and make it look really easy. But they did get a point away to Bayern Munich and that kind of, yes, consolidates them in seventh position and makes the title race maybe a bit more exciting with only five points in it. So the table is looking like at the top, we still have Bayern Munich, of course, on 65 points, RB Leipzig on 60 points, and Wolfsburg on 54, shortly followed by Eintracht Frankfurt on 53. Now, of course, they played each other this weekend, and oh my God, I was so glad that we kind of pinpointed this game as one to watch, because it was insanity. It was 4-3 in the end to Frankfurt. Kamada scoring. Jovic, the striker I couldn't remember last episode, he got a goal. Silva got another goal. Derm got his first Bundesliga goal in five years. Then for Wolfsburg, the goal scorers were Baku. Veghorst, of course, 20 seconds after the second after the second half started. And a it was given as an own goal, but I think it was harsh to take it off the striker. But also, as a quick side note, I don't know if you heard this, but Veghorst has been in trouble for conspiracy theories about coronavirus now, and he's into all this QAnon stuff, and it's all very, very strange. They've tried to make him apologize. There's this really awkward interview online. If you can find it on YouTube, it is brutal to watch. Um, But They tried to make him apologize? Yeah, he said that coronavirus was a hoax, and it's all the... um, you know the QAnon stuff that was like Donald Trump and all this? Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. kind of tied into that. So yeah. he might be a nutter, but who cares? He's banging goals in left, right, and center for Wolfsburg. There we go. So there we go. fine, we'll let you off. 
there are definitely worse people who have played professional football. <laughs> but what a game. What a game. And that means that Wolfsburg is still third. Eintracht Frankfurt are in fourth. But who is coming up behind and still got a bit of fight in them? Oh, I don't know. Wait, let me check the table. Borussia Dortmund? Borussia Dortmund. But who? Now, we need to talk about, are we concerned yet about Haaland's goal drought? He's washed. Um, he used to be he's a very done. good player. He's over. He's done. His career is over. He used to be very good. I had to. I used to have a lot of hope for him. I think he's done. He might as well retire, go be a lumberjack in Norway, and just forget about professional football. No, I think that the fact that people are panicking about the fact that, oh my God, he hasn't scored in four games. I think it's ridiculous. How many players that we know haven't scored a goal in four consecutive games and we haven't made a fuss about it? I think it's just because we're used to these new age Holland stats. And yes, Bryce, no Sancho putting goals on a plate for him. And I'm sure that Rory is very glad to hear that. Oh, well, you know, I've got a lot of love for Sancho. And if we're going to get onto Lingard, and I love Lingard, but, well, do I love Lingard? I love slash hate Lingard. But if Sancho misses out because of bloody Jesse Lingard, I'm going to blow a gasket, I swear. Sancho is unbelievable. But yes, Dortmund are definitely missing him. But despite that, they managed to come from behind to beat Stuttgart 3-2 away after losing to them 5-1 at home. I think they definitely, definitely wanted this one. And there's another new youngster we need to keep an eye out for at Dortmund now, Tommy. And his name is, I think it's either Knauf or Nauf. I'm not sure how to say it. Knauf, it was his, I want to say. Knauf. It was his third start in the Bundesliga and his first goal. He got the winner. And yeah, that just keeps a bit of life in Dortmund's European push. But I think it could just be a bit too beyond them. It's now seven points off. I just need to double check that. Seven points off Frankfurt. So still a lot of work to do. But maybe if they get um, Sanchez back. And yes, Bryce, thank you for reminding me. Bellingham became the youngest ever English goal scorer in the Bundesliga as he got his first goal for Dortmund. He should have had his first goal against Manchester City. We all know that. But he waited until the next game to get his first goal. Go on, Jude. Another player. I have to remind myself that he's 17. He's 17. He left high school last year. What the fuck are we doing, really? It's we almost, it's, oh, every time I see it, I'm like, oh, for God's sake, I'm so old. But anyway, it's great to see him absolutely running the midfield as well. It's not like he's kind of getting bit part. He's starting most games and he's slowly becoming a key player for them. So... What a signing from Birmingham, and what a player. Great to see. That is the Bundesliga, I think. By the way, one last thing. I was just checking uh, Dortmund's fixtures to come. They've got Werder Bremen, Union Berlin, Wolfsburg, RB Leipzig, and the last day of the season, Leverkusen. I think that it's going to be a no Champions League year for the Yellow wall, unfortunately. We'll see you in the Europa League, hopefully, Dortmund, <laughs> if we make it. <laughs> yeah. Should we go to the should we go to the Premier League? Let's go to the Premier League. I'm gonna find Let's... it quicker this time, I promise. I need to make that music a little bit longer to give myself a bit of time. But here we are. Many dif- many different headlines in the Premier League, but I want to start from the one. And only 
what is the celebration? Is it like this? I cannot do celebration. Is that one? Yeah, that I one. I feel like it's I, that one. Or that uh, one. I don't, I don't know. know what it is. Messi, Lingard, man. Look, maybe I'm not, I don't follow Premier League that much to like hate him or love him, but I just, I don't know. I fucking like the guy. Messi Lingard. Wait, where was the stat that I drew, that I jotted down earlier? Pa, 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 pa. Lingard, nine appearances, eight goals, three assists. What? That's incredible. Now, this, this is now being touted as the greatest loan signing in Premier League history. And I think it has. It has to be up there. I think nobody saw this coming. And the, the funniest thing is, I've seen United fans on Twitter moaning like, why did we let Lingard go? Like, they knew that this was going to happen. Like, anyone knew this was going to happen. Like, okay, you can moan about some bad transfers for clubs, but you've got to let United off on this one. Lingard was going through a lot of shit in Manchester. There's kind of widely reported he was going through kind of mental health issues. He wasn't having a good time. He needed a fresh break. This is exactly what he needed. Nobody saw this coming, but it is great to see. And West Ham are on the march for Europe. They are fully on the march. This is the first one of their games where friend of the show, Tom, was talking about, we've got two games that if we get through them, we can still get Europe. It's Leicester, and I believe the next one is Chelsea, I think. He said, if we get through these two games then we can still do it. Well, they've got through the first one and they got through it in some style. The first half, Leicester were nowhere near it. West Ham were all over them. Clinical, finishing, Lingard. We also, uh, with the amount of goals he's scoring, we also need to talk about the type of goals he's scoring. And of course, that includes my favorite thing, XG. So he has scored his nine goals. Is it eight, nine goals now? from 3.84 xg right so this means that the positions that he's scoring from are so unlikely to get a goal like he's scoring absolute belters they're not only just tap-ins or he's just rocketing it in and even in this game he hit one from i want to say just outside the area maybe 25 30 yards absolute rocket great to see i still don't know how i feel about him being on the england plane i still don't know how i feel about him being in the squad but I'm happy to be proven wrong with it. The problem for West Ham is they need to stop letting teams in when they're 3-0 up. So this is the third game in a row that they've gone 3-0 up. Arsenal, the mighty Arsenal, managed to peg them back to 3-3. So maybe that actually wasn't that bad a result. Um, the previous game it ended up 3-2, and of course this game now ended up 3-2. Leicester, you're right, Chris, were absolutely embarrassing. Awful performance, but there seems to be all sorts of shit going on in the background in Leicester. A few of the players were caught out partying, breaking COVID rules. Apparently there's been a bust-up in the changing room between Vardy, Schmeichel, and the players who were caught. So it's all going very wrong at Leicester. Are they going to blow Champions League football for the second year in a row, Tommy? I don't know, but I just like we called in Italy, Sassuolo being the new Atalanta. Um, just about that, I want to say that maybe West Ham are the new Leicester. I don't know if it really makes sense because it's a uh, West Ham have a lot of history and everything, but West Ham are really making a strong push this season. Um, yeah, I see that my mom is asking if British footballers played with a black band on their arms to honor Prince Philip. 
Rory, do you want to tell my mom what happened? Yeah, I, 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 honestly, like I, I don't want to get into my attitudes on the royal family, but <laughs> I'm going please, to. No, please. But, this is just culture. They decided a two minute, um, si- a two minute silence because one minute just isn't enough to remember that great man. Um, but there was a great tweet that actually someone timed it. It was only one minute forty. They ducked out on two minutes in one of the games, which is hilarious. Um, but yeah, they did it all there. What happened Sorry? in Scotland, Rory? What happened in Scotland before the Celtic game? <laughs> yes, during during the minute silence um, at the Rangers game. No, at the Celtic game, right? The Celtic mm-hmm. fans set off fireworks um, to to mar the silence, which I'm not here to condone <laughs> or criticize. Just comment on. Um, Beautiful. But yeah, Let's before we get into it, because I feel like all I've seen, even from Italy, all I've seen is Prince Andrew, uh, not Prince Andrew, he's the nonce, Prince Philip on the telly. <laughs> Although I'm not going to get into it, but all I've seen is Prince Philip That's on the telly on. and I'm kind of I'm kind of done with it. But yeah, thoughts and prayers to the Queen. Anyway, um, West Ham, Leicester, all things going wrong for Leicester. Brandon Rogers needs to fix this one quick or they could end up two seasons in a row falling out. And yeah, this is it, exactly. Someone needs to pick up the bat- the baton from Vardy. Now, Ian Acho has been in great form this season and he's kind of really putting the goals away. He, of course, got two against West Ham at the weekend, but they need someone a bit more consistent or someone, if he can find that consistency, maybe they have the solution. But Vardy has also been very quiet in the second half of this season. Really quiet. I feel like he's not scored for a while. I need to check the stats on that, but... He didn't even score against Arsenal, so he must be struggling because he usually always bags against us. So, yeah, things not looking great for Leicester. But the big headline of the weekend, of many, Leeds. Leeds. I'm so, so happy they're back in the Premier League, right? A proper club, well-supported. I've talked, I've said it before, one city, uh, one club city. I can't wait to see Elland Road full in the Premier League. It's a shame that we've not seen full Elland Road yet. But... Leeds managed to mastermind a 2-1 win over Manchester City. Bielsa versus Pep. What a game. What a game. Now, on uh, on an Italian football Instagram page, I saw a very funny post that, that talked about the shots on target by Leeds and by Man City, the possession by Leeds and Man City, and the goals from Leeds and Man City. And it said, it just looks like a very bad FIFA game. <laughs> oh, if that had happened to me on Football Manager, my laptop was going out the window, I swear. Like, it was. But I think I said again off mic that they didn't, like, they didn't shit how is it, right? They didn't try and do what Spurs do. More on that later. They did still stick to their principles. They tried to play their tactic. They played their game as Leeds always do. Whether they're eight nil down or three nil up, they play the same way. Down to eight men or down to ten men, it doesn't matter. And they just did what they do. And it's this performance sums up everything that is being great about Leeds: their discipline, their fitness, their like knowledge of the system, their technical ability, their like clinicalness in front of goal. This in in a microcosm is their season and is Bielsa ball, right? It was so great to watch. Man City did take the foot off their gas. They made seven changes, I believe, from the Champions League game midweek. But for Man City, that doesn't mean anything. You bring up seven changes means seven other world-class players. If you know what I mean, it's not like there's a massive drop, drop in quality. So there is no real excuse there for City to be losing this. I think they they were getting a little bit arrogant, thinking they could just stroll in and win the game. 
especially when Leeds went down to 10 men. Now, the red card was definitely a red card. Um, it was a really reckless tackle. He got the ball first, but he easily could have done some real damage to, um, I believe it was Jesus he tackled. But if that's a red card, then Fernandinho definitely should have been in trouble and got a second booking because he threw in a horror tackle. I think it was on Bamford maybe, but I need to double check that. Nathan Aki is not good enough for City. Yeah, it it felt like a weird signing to me when they made it. Um, but then I was looking at him playing and I thought maybe they've seen him as a signing for two seasons time or for one season's time where they're going to let him learn the system and bring him in. He's hardly playing this year, right? And this is his first start. Future. Yeah. yeah, this is his first start of the season for City, I think, or one of his first starts. Um, and you could see he doesn't really, he's not comfortable in that system yet. Bournemouth, when he was at Bournemouth, they loved playing football, right? They played football the right way, but they weren't passing it out and they weren't doing the same stuff that City are doing. So I think give it time, he will. He is a decent defender. I think it will just take him time to learn the system, but he did look out of his depth against Leeds. But we need to give Leeds their credit. And if you can find it, you need to find on YouTube the Leeds fans' reaction commentary to that goal. It is absolutely brilliant. The guy just loses his shit. He starts screaming. You hear him like 10 yards from the microphone just, ah! <laughs> what a win. What a win. Like last minute, last second. What a win. I loved it. Great game to start off the weekend. Absolutely great game. And now I'm going to give you a nice, sweet leeway. Bryce, I hope you are listening. The other day, I did see a tweet that said that when Manchester City won the league with the infamous Aguero, they were exactly eight points behind Manchester United with six games yet to play. So... If Manchester United were to win their game in hand, <laughs> they would be exactly eight points behind right. Man City with six games to play. Now, let's talk about Tottenham United, and then you will tell me if you think this miracle is possible. More than Aguero, it might be Cavani, or something like that. I need to make a confession this week. I have done something terrible. And, well, actually, Mourinho and Tottenham have made me do something terrible. I thought I hated Man United and Tottenham equally. I thought I had enough equal hate for all of the scumbags out there. But it turns out that Tottenham are really bringing it out of me this year. And I celebrated when United scored a goal this weekend. I was actually very, very happy that they won. I... I know you love Mourinho, Tommy. I know it. But I cannot see how anybody enjoys the football he plays. I just can't see it. I The football he is playing at Tottenham now isn't even football. No, it's the I most agree. cynical fucking just wait and hope that nobody scores. Hope that fucking Harry Kane does something who wants out. Like, the whole thing is just so toxic. And their, their attitude from the beginning of the game was awful. It was just hit the deck the second anyone gets near you. The way that first goal was disallowed, now we can go on about VAR this weekend and today. They made awful decisions in the West Brom game today. How they disallowed that um, that first goal, I will never understand. So now you have to run with your arms by your side and if you get within an inch of a player, you're done. Like You can't even brush off. You can't protect yourself. No, that's that's disallowed. But... As well as that, if Cavani doesn't put that ball in, that's not a foul. 
Yeah, I right? agree with you. But if he doesn't score the goal, you don't pull playback for that. You just carry on and it's a goal kick. But the fact that it went in makes it a foul. It's mind-blowing. So VAR made me horrifically angry. Like, if I was a United fan, I'd have been, like, spitting fire, like, angry about that. Because I was getting angry watching the game. And like I said, I hate both of these teams. I was angry watching it. Then added on Tottenham's just absolute shithousery and anti-football bollocks. It was awful. Of course, then Son scores the goal, right? Of course, after he goes down and holds his face, he scores the opener, right? Football does that sometimes. Football is a bastard, right? But thankfully, the second half, United just blew him out the water. Tottenham weren't even close. Mourinho looked lost. The whole squad are turning on him. It's all going poisonous. And the best thing is they cannot afford to sack him. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, man. About Mourinho, I have to say that whenever people are ripping on Inter for playing Catenaccio, I'm just like, dude, go watch what Tottenham play. That's Catenaccio. That's highly defensive backline football. Don't come breaking my balls about Inter Milan because we win games and everything. But yeah, man, um, I think that that is quite unfortunate for Tottenham fans, the fact that they kind of got stuck with Mourinho now and they cannot allow to they cannot allow really somebody else coming in and still paying for Mourinho. They, they took a massive gamble. They took a massive gamble on a guy who was in whose career was declining. And it's not paid off. They should have seen the cycle. The cycle was getting quicker and quicker from his Real Madrid days to United. The cycle was getting quicker of how quickly he can turn an atmosphere poisonous. And it turns out he's just done it in even record time at at Tottenham. Obviously, I fucking love it. But if I was a Tottenham fan, I would be fuming. Because the thing is, if they can't afford to sack him, then they have to back him in the summer. And then you are further into this mess. It's... Like, okay, I'm going to try and be impartial and not too smug about it. But this <laughs> is a big summer for Spurs. If Kane wants to go, which it sounds like he does, the noises are getting pretty loud. If if Kane goes, you're going to have a mass exodus at that point. I think Son isn't going to stick around. Ali isn't going to stick around. There's going to be a few players that see him leave and they're going to go, right, I'm out. Like, yeah. this could be a big summer for Spurs. So, yeah, Chris, who is watching us right now, he asked us to talk about the fact about Kane. Who who can afford to buy him? Where Who are the teams that are potentially interested in him? If you're followers of the pod, you know that Rory and I are not the biggest, like, transfer market experts. But who could? where could you see Kane outside of Tottenham? There's only one, there's only one team in England I can see buying him, and that's United, really. What about um, outside of England? I can't. I don't think he'd live abroad. I think he wants to win the Premier League. I think he really wants to win the Premier League. And I think he would, he'll would. he stay in England. I think United are going to go all out for him this year. What they should do is go for Haaland. But I think Haaland's going to go to City. I think United are going to go all out for Kane. Levy is going to try his best to bleed, to get all the pennies out of that one that he can, and rightly so, right? The guy signed a five-year contract or whatever it is. He's got Harry Kane on lockdown, really. But but you, also, we I all know say, you can't keep a player against their will now. Not really. Not in modern football. 
I have to say, Bryce, this is a hilarious comment. Imagine Kane trying to speak another language. He <laughs> can speak Spanish, and that would be absolutely hilarious, right? That is exactly it. But because, guys, I think we're going to be going for an hour and a half at this point because we're not even in Serie A yet. But we're going to leave United Tottenham there. United look really scary. Cavani... I love him. His movement is incredible. He's a straight killer in front of goal. He just doesn't fucking miss. At the beginning of the season, I'll hold my hands up. I said, this is a panic buy. No one else wanted him. This seems like a... But it's worked out. Sometimes, like Falcao, it doesn't work out. And sometimes, like Ibra and Cavani, it does work out. So fair play. What a signing he has been. If United can get that Harry Kane, that prolific striker, they are going to be challenging for the title next year. I think that squad is really... Ollie is start, Ollie's starting to get a tune out of him and players are hitting form. Shaw is looking great when he looked lost. Like It's really starting to look positive around there. So good to see. But before I get shouted at by Chris, we need to talk about Liverpool. They came back and got their first win at Anfield in the Premier League this year as they beat Aston Villa 2-1. Trent sticking it top bins. Um, a lot of people saying that was Trent kind of showing you know, showing Southgate the finger. It's like, well, no, because Trent's attacking was never the problem. <laughs> it's his yeah, defending that's the problem. Right. Yeah, you know, exactly. I think, yeah, it was a great goal, really great goal, and it's a great moment for him, right? You you saw him get a big clop hug at the end, right? And you're like, yes, that feels good. Um, but it was a great goal, great winner, and Aston Villa, despite their early season promise, are really there. Their form is really falling away. They're missing Jack Grealish a lot. Um, Ross Barkley, like I said, has kind of gone off the boil and things are starting to look a bit stale there at Villa Park. But overall, still a very good season for the villains. And then finally, to kind of... um, Well, just for myself, I don't care if if nobody's listening. (laughs) Arsenal... 1-3-0 1-3-0 and kept a clean sheet. <laughs> now, no, when's, I know the last time, when's the last time? Look, I'm going to look it up right now. When's we the scored last three time goals you... against West Ham. We just conceded three goals as well. Yeah, when's this the is... last time that you sc- that you won 3-0? Oh, I don't know. The last time he kept a clean sheet was January the 20th. So, I don't know. You'll be scrolling for a while. But I know it's Sheffield United. I know they're terrible. But we played some really nice football. We had a really interesting system going on. I thought Saka was playing left-back, but then it turned out that Xhaka was left-back and Saka was in a number 10 role. Ceballos was, had free role of the field wherever he wanted to go. Lacazette was clinical. The first goal was like prime Wenger ball, beautiful little intricate passes. And, oh, it was great to watch. But right. I have to say... Mate, sorry, on January... Oh, no, wait, did we beat Chelsea? No, that was 3-1. I mean, it? on January 2nd, 4-0 against West Brom. And then you've got on uh, on Monday, January 18th, 3-0 against Newcastle. You guys have nothing to worry about. You're you're. You notice how that all of those teams have something in common, Tommy. <laughs> They're all fighting relegation. Right. <laughs> but, but, yes, it was a good win, good football. Nice to see. Confidence builder before the big Europa League game this week. And we need to talk quickly about, are Arsenal better without Aubameyang? Now, we have won 66% of our games without Aubameyang in the team. With him, we've only won 36% of our games. So, yeah, I'm terrified of it. We've got a hot take alert from Steve. Aubameyang is the new Ozil. I'm terrified of this. I genuinely thought, like, oh, when will this club 
King Learn, and now they're talking about offering Lacazette a new deal. And you're just like, look, Lacazette's had a great season, but just let him go. Do not offer him a three-year contract because you know what's going to happen, right? Aubameyang, I don't know what's happened there. I think there's a bit of a clash of egos between him and Arteta. I think they don't get on. I think Arteta is expecting him. I think Arteta is expecting him to behave like every other player. And Aubameyang doesn't like that, right? I've said before, I'm on Arteta's side with the whole dropping in before the North London derby. If you turn up late to the derby, you're not starting the next three games, mate. Like it's, that is as captain, that's disgraceful. So I'm completely on Arteta's side. When Aubameyang plays, he just seems so anonymous. He, he doesn't get shots, right? And for a moment, for a while, I thought, oh, that's because we don't create chances. But then Martinelli starts and gets four shots in a game more than Aubameyang has had in one game all season, right? So you're thinking, well, that's not the problem then. The problem is probably Aubameyang. He did it at Dortmund as well. The warning signs were there. People told us. People told us. The reason why the big clubs hadn't gone after him was because he was capable of doing this, but not suited to the Prem. His goal-scoring record is ridiculous. (laughs) He got the golden boot. Like, he is... This is an attitude thing. It's not an ability thing. This is not an ability thing. This is, And this is why the bigger clubs didn't go after him. That's why he ends up at Arsenal. Because we can't get the top cream players. We get the ones that have got a few dents in them and a few mental scars or whatever. But I hope he gets it back. We need him for the Europa League. We need his goals in the Europa League. We only won the FA Cup last year because of him. So we need him back. But 3-0 on to Slavia Prague. Should we do Serie A? I feel like I've been talking for an hour. Yeah, just one quick thing. I was listening to the Totally Football show earlier this morning, and they said 13th place, 12 points clear of the drop zone, 12 players out of contract this summer. Are Crystal Palace the most on-the-beach team ever? (laughs) Oh, God. They're like Watford a few years ago. It's just by the time it gets to January, they're safe, and then they're just like, okay, here we go. Wait and for I'm, Wilf. Wait for Wilf to do everything, and we'll just like mop it up at the back. And their defense is even terrible this year. I, by the way, to just wrap this up, I agree with Bryce, who is typing right now. One of Arsenal's biggest problems, in my opinion, is they have too many players who aren't good enough, and all of those players are way too comfortable. Um, besides the tiny spelling mistakes at the end of your sentence, Bryce, I might agree with you. <laughs> I'm gonna quickly. I'm gonna quickly address that. Yes. Um, now, I think quickly, right? Um, I th- I think the the positive at Arsenal at the moment is the youngsters, right? It's Saka, it's Martinelli, it's Smith Rowe, it's even like Holding. It's we've got some good, decent young players there. That's the positive. Yes, the atmosphere at Arsenal has been for too long, been very comfortable. We've let players get away with being like. We've slowly turned into into the retirement home of the Premier League where players just turn up for two years and just kind of kick back. And I think Arteta is fighting hard to change this culture. It's going to take time. I'm starting to... My faith is wavering in the project, right, or the process, but I think he can do it. It's just going to take a long time for him to shift all these players. He's done really well, even getting... like If you look at the players we got rid of in January, Mustafi, Kalasinac, Ozil... Guendouzi, he got rid of all these negative impacts in one season, in one window. He just went, right, fuck off. Everyone's out, right? He's got two more windows to fix this and bring in the players he wants. 
We are, exactly, we are where United were two years ago. We are where Liverpool were five years ago. Like, we are where Chelsea were three years ago. It's what happens, we've hit this dearth, we just need to turn it around, and I think Arteta can do it, but we need a big summer. We need a very, very big summer. But now we can do Serie A, Tommy. I've got to thank Bryce, because we hadn't heard a Rory Arsenal rant in a while, but I'm ready to go Serie A. Let's do it. And I would like to start this section with a song that I haven't sang in a long time. Se ne va, la capolista se ne va, la capolista se ne va, la capolista se ne va, ah, ah, e se ne va, another Fucking crucial win for Inter Milan. This song says the table leader is going, and the table leader is going, and the table leader is going. Man, another crucial win against Cagliari. You know what? Get at me. I love a one-nil win, but even more, I like when the two wings connect. Akimi to Darmian. Yes, please. He was about to sky that fucking ball. Luckily, he didn't. It went in. 1-0, that's all we need to still be table leaders, 11 points ahead of AC Milan. But considering that we have won, um, I mean, we have more goals in the direct games against AC Milan, it's actually 12 points over them. So, Scudetto season, ladies and gentlemen. I've got a few stats about Inter Milan just to underline how good of a team we have been this year. Inter are the team with the least defeats in Europe's top five leagues. Did you know that, Rory? Oh, I like that. Pretty sexy, right? Mm, that only, is sexy. Only two defeats in Serie A this season. They came against AC Milan and Sampdoria. And another little stat that I really liked from Inter's social media page, four players with at least five goals and five assists. We are the best in that category. Spreading the goals. That is always key to it. Like If you can get those goals around your attack, and there's a similar stat going on about about Napoli as well with their attack. If you can spread those goals about, that is when it gets dangerous. Definitely. Exactly. We are even with Atalanta concerning that. Now, I think that the game was quite good from Inter's part. Once again, we won 1-0, but we barely conceded anything. Eriksen. Oh my God, Christian Eriksen. What a sexy game he had. Besides the few shots, um, besides the few shots that he took very comfortably that were unfortunately met by a great goalkeeper's response, I think that he played what Conte wants him to do. He was running all over the pitch. He was defending very well. He was putting crosses in. He was shooting. That's all we need. And also very nice to see Stefano Sensi back. Now, Barella is a, Barella couldn't play because he was ruled out for this game. And uh, Conte dropped this Brozovic, Sensi, Eriksen. Uh, midfield that I didn't really mind. And the Sensi and Eriksen, they're both very, very technical. Brodzovic had to drop back a little more than usual, but it really worked. And in the end, we got the win. And Cagliari, I think they're ready for Serie B. Um, and they now, don't their have... squad, that is scandalous that they're getting relegated. 
that is the adjective. It's scandalous. They've got Rugani from Juventus, Naingolan from Inter Milan. They've got Joao Pedro and Simeone. I mean, they've got Nandez, who is a starter for the Uruguayan national team, and he's a very talented football player. Um, yes, but they are doomed. Now, let me just pull up. Uh, by the way, as we're speaking, Benevento are losing to Sassuolo thanks to an own goal by Barba, which means beard in Italian. Quite a last mm. name. But yeah, Cagliari are 18th with 22 points, and uh, Torino are 17th with 27 and one game in hand. So I think Cagliari are almost doomed. And I don't know how I would feel if I was a Cagliari fan looking at Naingolan, just like pretty much sitting on the Inter bench at halftime, chatting with chatting with Lautaro Martinez, Arturo Vidal. They were having a great time at a point, like you see Akimi telling him, like, go fuck yourself. Go, go back to your back. team. Naingolan comes back, kind of slaps him on the back of the head, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, if I was a Cagliari fan, that's the last thing I would want to see. But Inter Milan... Well, well there's, always yeah, been, there's always been doubts about that guy's attitude, though, right? Yeah, many doubts about a lot of things about that guy. Um, <laughs> I love him as a player. Love him as a player, but I think it's Maverick or yeah, it's going to be interesting to see this summer's transfer market because Nangolan is on loan at Cagliari from Inter Milan, and uh, our I midfield that was permanent. Okay, our midfield is kind of uh, done, so we shall see. But Parma AC Milan one three now. AC Milan, crucial win, very good win. Did you see that Ibrahimovic red card? <laughs> it was kind was of that crazy. for blasphemy? Yeah, he insulted the ref, but then they re-listened to the audio. And honestly, I kind of... The audio that they probably listened to is different than the one we have listened to. But you can tell, man, this time I would, I would be ready to throw Ibrahimovic under the bus in any other circumstance. But in this case, it's really a matter of two sentences that sound pretty much the same. One is, I can't believe you whistled that. And the other one is like, you're a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the referee was just like, red card. And the which was like, dude, I literally did not say anything. Uh, upon listening to that, I was like, yeah, that was unfair. But Ibrahimovic, man, what a beautiful dummy on Rebic's mm. goal. That was a beautiful, beautiful play by AC Milan. And Kessi scores again. And he's AC Milan's top goal scorer in the past five seasons. Isn't with, he a technically a defensive midfielder? With 26 goals. So he's AC Milan's... <laughs> I'm going to repeat it. Is AC Milan's top goal scorer in the past five seasons with 26 goals. We've got Lukaku, who scored like 16 the last two seasons. That's so bad. That's know, so man. bad. That is the, and the second one, after Kessi, is Ibrahimovic with 25. How are they still in Serie A? And the top scorer in five years has got 26 goals. And the third one is a Suzo with 21, whom they couldn't wait to get rid of rid of but really got me i don't know why that's hilarious AC that's Milan, so funny. ac milan had a pretty comfortable uh, win however there were a few scares here and there another game that i wanted to briefly mention is udinese torino uh oh one belotti from a penalty spot 
Why am I mentioning this game? Because it was being played at the same time as Real Madrid, Barcelona, and a bunch of Italian football Instagram pages, they posted this meme that said, El Clasico is for boys, Udinese Torino is for real men. And they love even more the fact that it ended 1-0 with the penalty. Yeah, it was beautiful. So, yeah. And then we've got Juventus Genoa 3-1. Cristiano Ronaldo gets a little sassy and he throws his shirt to the ground because he didn't score a goal. Now, did he or did he... Juventus are trying to spin it that he threw it to the ball boy. No, 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 no. Did he throw it to the ground? Because I yeah. definitely saw it on Twitter that it was like, Cristiano Ronaldo threw his shirt no. to the ball boy. And I was like, well, that's not what I heard 10 minutes ago. No, yeah, yeah. the ball boy is a very smart person. I have to pay his, my respect to him. He's probably 12, 13 years old, but he knows how much money that t shirt is <laughs> worth. So <laughs> yeah. the moment that Cristiano Ronaldo slams it to the ground, he's just like, all right, I got to get that money. So he goes for it. He definitely did not toss it to the ball boy. Nice try, Juventus, however. Um, this is Juventus- quickly, quickly, sorry, it's been a great week for ball boys, Maverick ball boys. The one who threw the ball at the throat of the Roma player in Ajax, right? Yeah. It's about <laughs> yeah. time. I miss the Maverick ball boys. We had the one in Swansea that held the ball and Eden Hazard kicked him. There was one that like, there's a few, we need more Maverick ball boys. This is a new campaign we're starting. Yeah, Big yeah. time, Maverick ball boys. <laughs> um, now, this game, despite the result, 3-1, actually Genoa uh, had quite a few chances to, to score goals and Chesney pulled off some great, great saves. Um, Kulusevski had a beautiful goal, only his fourth, as Rory would know, in this Serie A season, and you really had to score it against me in fantasy football. Yeah, Thank mate, you. don't worry, he's on my bench. And the second goal, I mean, by Morata, it, I mean, Chiesa, I'm starting to think he's really, they, they injected him with some rabies or something. He looks like a dog sometimes like when he's running at midfield there is this loose ball he just goes for it shoots on target Cristiano Ronaldo gets the rebound post and then Morata scores but man what um, what a beautiful play by Chiesa and then the third goal by McKenney beautiful goal but where was the defense however Bryce since you're the only American watching us live right now I just wanted to talk about what a great weekend for Americans in Europe now Pulisic had two goals and one assist in the Prem. McKenney scored a goal after two minutes b- being subbed in. Reina had his sixth Bundesliga assist of the season. Reynolds had his first start for Roma. Wea is stable leader with Lille in Ligue 1. And Daryl Dyke, whom I didn't know, eight Oh, for Barnsley. Man, he's tearing it up. 14 games for Barnsley in the Champions League, in the Championship. And of course... I didn't come up with this stat. BR football. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, they but make yeah. some of the worst graphics on Twitter. Oh my God. Some of the graphics are horrific. But yeah, Dyke is absolutely killing it for Barnsley. They look like they could have a shout at coming up to the Premier League. We will be talking championship and Serie B in one of our episodes coming up soon and who we might expect to see joining the big leagues. But Barnsley could be there. So yeah, another American in the Premier League, potentially. But guys, I don't want to cut this short, but I will tell you the truth. After two beers, I desperately need to go to the bathroom pretty soon. Lightweight. <laughs> but, Absolute lightweight. 
The other very good games that we had this weekend, actually the two most notable, uh, the the best two games that we had this weekend were Fiorentina-Atalanta 2-3 and Spezia-Crotone 3-2. Now, Fiorentina-Atalanta. Atalanta won in the end thanks to a penalty converted by Ilicic, but Fiorentina have potentially got one of the best future stars in the world. Dusan Vlaovic. This guy is mm-hmm. insane. He scored six goals in the last four games and he's got a total tally of 15 in Serie A this season. Now, I think that his generation is always going to be dominated by Mbappe and Haaland, mm-hmm. but I think that this is one of those names that is always going to gravitate up there as one of the deadliest strikers in the world in the upcoming future. Go check him out. All of his goals are beautiful. Yeah, right. Well, he did He did recently say that he thinks he can reach Haaland levels. Um, he is definitely not short of confidence or ability, so definitely... Keep your eye out for that. But before we quickly go, Tommy, I want to ask one more Inter thing for you. Are you excited about Esposito tearing it up for Venezia? Man, Esposito has been tearing it up for Venezia. Now, only the other day, I started, I I was following some uh, pages on Instagram, and one of them was from the agency that represents Esposito. And they started looking at the amount of times he appeared on their page, and it was like, go, 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 go. No, he's tearing it completely. He's ours. He's coming back. Hopefully. And the, I mean, the goal this weekend, look at look out for it because it's absolutely it's a free kick, right? Just fucking pings it. Like yeah, Dude, yeah. Beautiful. Sebastiano, beautiful keep doing what you're doing. But guys, then we have to talk about Crotone. And this stat does not come from BR football. I pulled it up myself. <laughs> Go now, on. Spezia. Organic facts. Okay. I like it. Spezia won three two against Crotone. Now since Serse Cosmi's appointment as Crotone head coach, Crotone have never, ever failed to score in a single game, netting a total of 14 goals in six games, while before they had 23 in 24. Unfortunately, in these six games, five were defeats, and four of these five defeats came by a one goal difference this is extremely unfortunate Mm. now there is however a brilliant stat for crotone that i didn't draw up is that simi is the first ever african player to have scored in six consecutive Serie A games oh i i have another simi fact to drop on you he is now the top scorer in nigerian in europe's top five leagues in the 2000s with 16 um, the the one before the one who held this um, record before him was Yakubu with Blackburn. So he now is sorry he doesn't hold the record. He's one off the record with Yakubu. So he is absolutely killing it for a team that are bottom of the league. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and man, I like this fact that he's the first African player ever to score six consecutive goals in Serie A. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, George Weah, Samuel Eto'o. Like we've had quite Obaoba Martins, like mm-hmm. we've had a bunch of very talented Africans, and he's the first one. His name is being linked to Inter Milan for next year as a sub for Lautaro Martinez. I think that would be killer. And also, we've got to mention about Crotone that our friend Rory 
Nicolò Zanellato, who hopefully is going to come on the pod very soon. He had, to, yeah. he had a very beautiful, beautiful assist. Oh, mate, it was crazy, right? We were watching the highlights on the news, right? And Tiz was like, oh, where's your friend? I was like, oh, there he is. There he is. Oh, shit, he just assisted the goal. <laughs> I was like, there he is. Yeah. yeah, that was a beautiful little run. And yeah, I don't know, yeah. when you know that he's a friend of yours, that, of course, is not Holland, but he performs in a team that is, like, bottom of the Serie A. When, when you see that play and the effort that he puts in it and everything, I was just like, yeah, Nicolò, And go. this isn't just because I kind of vaguely know him and have beaten him in fantasy. He genuinely... <laughs> Is every time I've seen him, I'm like, okay, this guy's good. Like, this guy's really good. He's, I mean, to play in a Serie A team, you yeah, can't be, exactly. you, you can't exactly. be bad. But yeah, and then another game, and then I really have to run. Another game <laughs> that was very good, Sampdoria Napoli 0 2. Nice to see Ozyman scoring again. And here in this game, we had a little uh, thing caught by the microphones that was very hilarious. There is this play by Napoli, uh, no, there is this play by Sampdoria and Gattuso. He's yelling at his players, like, what they need to do. And then it's like, yeah, 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 he's not going to get it. Go. All right. Nice. And Quagliarella shouts, Quagliarella from Sampdoria, mm-hmm. he shouts, hey, mister, what are you doing? The commentary of the game? And Gattuso goes, <laughs> what? And Quagliarella, this is from the other side of the pitch. He goes, Gattuso, what are you doing? The commentary of the game? And Gattuso goes, Quagliarella, sta zitto e fatti cazzi tuoi e gioca <laughs> Which means Pagliarella, shut the fuck up, play football, and don't come and break my balls. That was beautiful. Some Southern Italian interaction. And then Verona-Lazio. Lazio snatched a crucial, crucial win at the very ending of the game, thanks to a Milinkovic-Savic header. Verona had had their had had quite a few opportunities to actually try and score before Lazio. And Immobile still hasn't scored a single Serie A goal since February 7th against Cagliari. However, he did hit the post during the game. Rory, there would be much more to cover. Champions League, Europa League. We've not done any of it. We've not done any of it. Champions League preview, we'll end up doing the review, guys. Um, Europa League, all I've got to say is, come on, Arsenal, for fuck's sake. Um, We've got to get through this. Let's kick racism out of the Europa League, please. Um, And the Champions League, I'm excited for PSG Bayern. The kids at school were going mad talking about it. um, And I was getting well involved in the conversation. I can't wait. So, Rory, very quickly, Man City, Borussia, who's going to go through? Man City. I agree. uh, Bayern Munich, PSG, who's going to go through? Bayern. I'm going to say PSG. Ooh. All right. Real Madrid, Liverpool, who's going to go through? Real. Liverpool will win on the night, but Real will go through. I agree with you, Real Madrid. And Porto, Chelsea, who's going to go through? Oh, Chelsea. Yeah, that one's kind of done. Let's do Europa League quickly. United, Granada. United. United. Arsenal, Prague. Arsenal. Villarreal against Dinamo. I'm I'm impressed I'm remembering this, guys. This is straight off the top of the head. What was the first? Villarreal won 1-0, I think. Okay, I think Dinamo could pull it off. They don't remember that second game that they had against Tottenham. And finally, yeah. Roma Ajax. Roma Ajax. Roma. 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 United Roma semi final. Roma knock them out. Arsenal beat Roma in the final. Job done. Let's do it. Guys, I really need to go to the toilet. <laughs>
I've been trying to keep him on, guys, and see how long we can keep him. Thank you so much, Chris, Bryce, Steve, and Valeria for being on. Remember that our latest episode that we released last Friday featured my mom talking about my grandpa, meaning her father, a great Italian football journalist in the 1960s and 70s. A lot to hear, a lot to learn. And now I need to go, guys. (laughs) I'm really done. Guys, I think we've kept him long enough. We will see you on Thursday. Oh, God. Bye, <laughs> guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.